0: Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud. Today we're going to be doing a special Aquarius season question and answer session. I hope that you're doing well out there. thought I would come on uh, as the sun is moving into Aquarius today, right before our new moon in Aquarius over the weekend, and answer any questions that you might have. Uh, just spend some time with you here today. I was kind of missing, missing the, the group, the crew today in, in true Aquarius uh, fashion. Um, Maybe we can lend some support to one another or whatnot. Um, A few announcements before we kind of dive into it and over the course of the Q&A today I'll probably be here, I don't know, maybe an hour or two. We'll see how long it goes. Um, I wanted to announce a few things before we get started. Before I do that, put any questions that you have in the chat box there today, uh, and I will try to get to them as much as I can. And um, we'll go over charts we will go over technique, well, we can go over stories that have happened to you over the Mars and Mercury uh, retrograde cycle, both of those planets are direct. Um, But a few things I wanted to chat with you about before we get started, first of all, I have a new class starting on Monday, which is the guided group study winter 2023 so i'm very excited about this we're going to be doing um, some work in astrology ancient astrology and theory and practice by dimitra george uh, which we did the first two-thirds of last semester and we had a really great time really great group it was really exciting to be able to see everybody each week and talk astrology and look at charts and go over techniques um and in this particular session we are going to be going over the rulers of the nativity which is the last third of the book um now you don't necessarily have to have read the entire other book before to sign up for this session. I can get you up to speed with all of that. Um, but these, this is a really interesting section to me because this is kind of like going over um, planets that can kind of give you a big overview on your life. Uh, this is something that I'm you know, learning more about. And Demetra George is, is a wonderful, wonderful teacher and organizes her information in a really great way. Um, so, for example, some things we might be learning. I've got a good list here of the the five rulers of the nativity that I think will be we're going to be studying. So we talk about the domicile lord of the ascendant, the planet that rules the ascendant, the domicile lord of the lot of fortune. So we'll talk about lots of fortune fortune in this session. Triplicity lords of the sect the master of the nativity, and then the lord of the nativity, which are two separate things. So if you want to go on a journey with me and learn about those ancient Hellenistic techniques that can give you kind of a broad overview about your life and what planets are supporting you in the work that you're doing, uh, you can sign up for guided group study. There is a link that is pinned to the chat this morning um, or this afternoon. What, what time is it? <laughs> like, you see the blinds are down and everything. I don't know. Where am I here today? We're in, we're in the liminal space of Aquarius now. We've been uh, lifted up to Mount Olympus by the, the eagle of Zeus, and now we're just kind of disorientated, right? um okay so that's the first thing that i've got going on there i know that there this is kind of a little bit of a weird time of year so if you're you know right after christmas and everything so if you're if you need help with a payment plan or something like that uh just send me a message as well um okay the other thing i've got going on that's starting today is the decans of aquarius are on sale the webinar that i did one of the monthly webinars that i did over the past year or so uh there's you can get 20 percent off of the aquarius decans and I'll show you a little bit about that here too, which I think is pretty uh pretty fun stuff. We'll talk about this more in depth as we go on today, as we kind of go into Aquarius stuff. You can see here are some of the slides from Aquarius season. And we go over tarot cards, we go over mythology, we go over the ruling spirits that are associated with the Deccans, we talk about the planet that rules Aquarius, we talk about the myths of Aquarius. Kronos and Oranos, flood myths, all of these wonderful themes that are associated with Aquarius. And those are about two and a half to three hours long. There's some really nice discussion at the end as well. We talk about how the tarot fits into all of this. So get your hands on that uh, if you can, 20% off as well. All right, a couple other announcements that I would like to make. So for those of you who are interested in the Deccans, in addition to those webinars that I have with the Deccans, I am going to be making an appearance at the Nightlight Astrology Winter Speaker Series on February the 12th, which is a Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday in America, at noon. So before all those festivities start, you can come come learn about uh, the, the way to combine astrology and the tarot, or really just to have the tarot accentuate your astrological practice. Uh, this is something that I do a lot in my readings, every reading that I do with a client. Um, I'm utilizing the decanic tarot, which helps to tell a story. So, if we look at the the decans of Aquarius, we see a story that's unfolding. And we can see the stories of our lives that unfold with the the relationships between the planets and the cards. And I'm going to speak more to that. I also use um, the tarot as a as a divinatory supplement when I'm doing readings and when doing horaries. If you, if you've seen the sports podcast that adam and kip and i do on Night Light astrology oftentimes we'll run a horary chart for a football game and then i will pull some cards for each of the teams to see what what kind of energy is going uh, with the game as well so there are multiple ways to use the tarot and there's a lot of esoteric symbolism that we can find meaning within as well so i'll be kind of covering as much as i can in that talk it is a free talk so you can register uh there is a description in the description of this video, there's a link to the Nightlight Winter Speaker Series, and I'm I'm just really honored to be uh, a part of that. Um, there's some really great speakers for this winter series too. Matthew Kenny is a really great uh, Nightlight alumni as well, and then Nick Dagan Best, who is I mean the the human ephemeris is going to be giving a talk as well. So you can sign up for those those talks also, and then finally, or penultimately, uh, the the new astro. Astrology of Sports podcast episode four is up today, so you can find that in the description of this video as well. We talk about a lot of things related to Mars and Mars turning direct and review the Mars retrograde cycle. Um, we talk about uh, we talk about football, we talk about uh, some basketball stuff. There's you know, we cover we cover hopefully a lot of the bases. I think this was recorded before the the Vikings lost in the playoffs. So so you'll you'll see my thinly veiled, um, you know, schadenfreude, uh, potential schadenfreude as a Packers fan, um, (laughs) knowing that somehow the Vikings were gonna screw it up. So uh, don't worry, I think all of our friendships are still intact, I hope, fingers crossed. But um, yeah, so the Vikings did lose. Uh, Anyway, neither here nor there. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, Adam, Kip, if you're watching this, it's a friendly rivalry, right, the border rivalry. Um, and then finally, if you are need, in need of some astrological guidance, I have a number of new uh, readings and sessions available. I really redesigned a lot of my readings for 2023, so you can find that on my book now link on my website. Um, so those are the business things. Those are the big advertising things. Uh, how are you all doing? Doing good? I'm just looking through the chat here. Uh, got all that stuff out of the way again, if you are enjoying these chats, um, please hit that like button subscribe to the channel if you're new. Um, if you want to leave a donation, you can hit the super sticker or the super chat button, the little dollar sign in the chat box, or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. that's always appreciated so i'm looking through the chat here i'm going to welcome some friends here we've got dawn joining us from mobile Alabama. Uh, Welcome, Dawn. Rachel Fletcher is here from the Windy Mountains of Virginia. Hello, Rachel. Nice to see you, friend. Uh, Krista Hamilton is here from Asheville, North Carolina. Hello, friends. Steven the Jupiterian is stopping in from San Francisco. Uh, let's see, Don says, it's been a while since I caught a live. Oh, it's nice to see you. And it's nice to see all of us together again, isn't it? Kind of kind of this like cold, snowy day in the Midwest or wherever you're at. I'm sure that the weather's different everywhere. But where I'm at, it's cold and gray. And it's nice to be able to chat with people. Lynn is here from Vermont. Hello, Lynn, nice to see you. Beth is here from the post office. Okay, <laughs> delivering the mail while listing, Multitasking, right? It's nice to see you, Beth. Tracy is tuning in from the UK. Hello, friend. Taria is here from Finland. Uh, let's see. Fion is joining us from Ireland. Kate is here. Uh, f- where are you from, Kate? I, I keep forgetting. I feel like you're on the west coast of the United States, but maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering this. Uh, Faye is here, and Hannah is here. Oh, Hannah is new. Welcome, Hannah. Nice to see you, friend. Okay, so. I always appreciate all of you. I love that we're having a nice communal talk. Thank you, Dawn, for the super sticker. I appreciate you. Thank you for, for joining us today and for your support. Uh, Dawn says, I'm still waiting for Uranus to move off of my natal Saturn in the sixth house. Yeah, that's probably, uh, I would be wanting that too. Like Uranus, the great disruptor, right? And when it's uh, hitting our, our natal Saturn, sometimes that can bring us some Unexpected responsibilities or some unexpected things that we or hardships that we have to overcome or some limitations potentially or on the flip side. uh, It could help us to break free of some of the limiting thoughts and beliefs and behaviors that we might have in our life. This is something I wanted to talk about with Aquarius today is that. You know, Saturn as a ruling planet of both Capricorn and Aquarius has a much different vibe in Aquarius than it does in Capricorn. Um, So we'll get into that in a second. I think that would be a really good point of discussion for today. Fion says, astrology Twitter really responded to this question. Now I want to ask you, which astrologer would you ha- would you have defend you in a fight? <laughs> oh boy, I have to think about this. Well, the first person that popped into my mind was Austin Kopic because he, I think he knows like uh, some kind of martial art. Uh, I can't remember what it is, but I know he practices like. Um, Oh geez, what is it? Jujitsu or s- something of that nature? Um, my friend Adam Ellenbush has been getting jacked in the gym lately, so <laughs> maybe. That's <laughs> a funny question, uh, but you know, there's some pretty fierce, fierce people in the astrological world uh, that I'm probably not mentioning here. Um, let's see who else. I'm trying to think who would be like super ruthless. That would—that's <laughs> a funny question, Fionn. I had to think about that for a second. Um, my friend Shu actually, you know, is an is off grid in Australian, and those are, don't underestimate the the Aussies from down under. They—I'm sure that they—they've um, got some pretty good survival techniques down there too. So I'd probably take Shu in that in that in that fight too. Um, but yes who who would you take fiona <laughs> what is what is astro twitter saying about the toughest astrologer i'm sure that maybe not many people would would pick me i don't know if i'm the the right person for that uh, although if if i'm you know really poked i can be kind of i have some mama bear energy to me um i can uh i can shame people pretty intensely if <laughs> if i'm feeling terrible so if you need someone to like really like shame someone if if they're out of line maybe i'm the person um i don't know that's kind of a cancerian superpower i guess okay that's a great question uh let's see don says i missed the cap sale oh no well don you know get aquarius while the getting's good you'll have till the end of aquarius season and if you really need a discount on the capricorn thing just send me an email um we might be able to figure something out uh Let's see here. What else? I love this. So much good chat already, friends. Kate says, aside from speaker series, if you don't know, Spencer is doing a guided group study. Well, thank you, Kate. Yes, I am. Maybe I mentioned this before you signed in. I did, and uh, but thank you for mentioning it again. Guided group study, which is basically a book club, but also. It's not just a book club, it is a, a book club and a kind of teaching module where we're really focusing on specific techniques. Last last session we did um, trying to figure out how to, to work with a, a planet in a house and its condition and things like that. We went over example charts, we, we really dived into the technique. Um, it was a really great discussion. There's a discord group to sign up with uh, to have discussion outside of class. We meet every two weeks on Mondays. And um, we do, we're going to do that for about three months. So I uh, hope that you will join us uh, out there in uh, Astro land. Um, Dawn says, I love watching you all do the football sessions. Super cool. Yeah. Um, we, we, we were busting each other's chops a little bit this week. Uh, that's sort of a Midwestern American term for like, you know, gently poking each other. Uh, it's since both Kip and Adam are vikings fans minnesota minnesota vikings fans for those of you for our international audience minnesota and wisconsin are border each other they're states that border each other now i live in michigan which is a whole state over from those two but my grandparents are from wisconsin so i grew up a green bay packer fan and being a cancerian taurus moon leo rising person I'm very loyal to the things that I grew up with as far as like sports teams, because I have really positive associations with those memories, like growing up just, um, you know, sports for me. And my sports team was something that I could count on in a, when I was growing up, when my family was kind of, there was a lot of change and turnover. There was a lot of like, uh, my parents were divorced and like, there was a lot of uh, upheaval. I got shuttled back and forth between a lot of different, you know, households over the course of my childhood. And, you know, sports was always something that was consistent. So, uh, you know, there's a loyalty that's hard to shake with that. So we have sort of a border border rivalry going on with Wisconsin and Minnesota. And Kip and Adam and I kind of gently rib each other about it because the, the Minnesota Vikings, their team was very good this year in the regular season. Um, and they are traditionally a franchise that has not been uh, as successful as The Green Bay Packers Uh, and the Green Bay Packers weren't as good this year. So there was a little bit of a flip that was happening, although, you know, I was joking with them that the heartbreak just took a little bit longer um, because they lost their first playoff game in a kind of a very heartbreaking fashion, kind of in a last play of the game type of thing. So I don't know. It's just a game, though. And at the end of the day, we're just having fun with it. All right. Kate says the new offerings look so great. Awesome, Kate. Yeah, I've I've been, um, you know, really shifting around in the descriptions of what I do. Um, I I had some descriptions that I don't think really encompassed what a session with me is actually like Uh, I was using some Hellenistic language that may not have been easy to understand if you weren't a professional astrologer, I guess, or even an enthusiastic amateur. And I, I changed that around to really talk about what we do. We, we hold space in those sessions. It's, it's very much a conversation. There's multiple divination forms that I, I use to really just to help you through whatever you're going through. Astrology is the focus, um, of course. Uh, it is in our astrology sessions, but I also use tarot. I also use the I Ching and, and uh, an animal symbol to help people understand what types of solutions that they might come up with to any challenges that they may be experiencing. And I and I rearrange things to to kind of have a focus on either your natal story like your your your. narrative that is going on throughout your entire life, because some people want to know that like what's what is my main story in my life. Uh, I have another session that is called the kairos reading that's really about transits and about hey what's going to be happening in the next three months or so. Um, So I, I change that around I even have a new session called the Oracle session where oftentimes people book a session with me but they have one specific issue that they're really feeling is important and they want to spend most of the time talking about that um so you know oftentimes we could do a horary for that we could pull cards for that we could pull an animal in an eaching um but that that is a new offering that i think it will be really effective for people that are dealing with like some kind of immediate issue um so check it out it's on my website on the books now, book now uh link there all right do 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 yeah stephen says feeling lighter already now with the sun in aquarius yeah i, I hear you it's aquarius season's always been a mixed bag for me and i i was i will say that from a very subjective perspective because as a leo rising it is the planet that rules my first house and my ascendant so uh, there is a hellenistic condition called being in a, in its exile so it's not a super comfortable place for the sun I often have some some interesting things go on during Aquarius season. Some challenging things, some some cool things that go on too. Um, but yeah, as far as like the difference between the feeling, the weight of Saturn versus the the airiness of Saturn in Aquarius versus Capricorn, definitely is a shift in energy for sure. And we're going to be heading into the the uh, a really important new moon over the weekend too. That's going to activate that zero degree point in in Aquarius that the Saturn Jupiter conjunction was uh came together in 2020, which was a turning of the ages, the astrological ages, and a place where we're going to really be feeling Pluto uh transitioning in 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 March, I believe, uh where that's gonna be a huge shift in our collective consciousness as well. So we'll we'll kind of uh, explore that a little bit today. Um Hannah's from Switzerland, very cool. Uh much of my ancestry is from Switzerland. I have um Baumgartner. Uh, ancestry uh, Swiss German and also the Michauds were from the the French part of Switzerland Um, I have a a a great 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 grandfather that could auctioneer in three different languages because he was he was Swiss and so he could he could do auctioneering in like uh, French German and Italian and maybe and English I think at that point in his life he was he he moved to America at one point but uh, very cool I've always wanted to um, to visit I have Mennonite ancestry that came from Switzerland and settled in Bern, Indiana, which I believe is a, you know, kind of a, a, a similar name to a, a city in Switzerland. So welcome, friend. Uh, Juana is here from Montana, or Juanita. Juanita is here from Montana. Um, I was just reading your screen name here. Welcome, friend. It looks like it's snowing there, too. Kate is here up oh, New Hampshire. Kate is here from New Hampshire. Okay, East Coast. Gotcha. Very cold. <laughs> I believe it. Oh, Yevgen is here. Hello, Yevgen, Nice to see you, friend. Uh, Mercury and Venus, Mercury, Venus, and first decan of Aquarius. Okay. Well, we'll try to break that down for you in our Aquarian explorations. Dawn says, disrupting all of my health that I never ever experienced before move along okay <laughs> so that's your uranus on the saturn experience as as we were talking about earlier um okay let me go back let me look keep looking oh this is such a great chat friends keep them coming uh don says straight up austin in the mma yeah right he's been the mma fighting like I'm, he's probably my first choice <laughs> he seems <laughs> like he's into that kind of thing and uh yeah he he's um He's a Pisces, but don't underestimate the Pisceans in your life friends like to me, the experience of a Piscean, uh, either in sports or in like a fight or something like that is they have no uh, qualms about sacrificing their body for to win, do you know what I mean and and when someone's like not afraid of like pain or like not afraid of death that's a very dangerous opponent so (laughs) that's a good choice um let's see. Yes, yes. Everybody's like Austin. Yes, yes Austin, for sure. Uh, Carolina is here from Barcelona, Spain, Saturn on top of my moon. Oh, that's, that's going to be an interesting one Um, where Saturn and Venus will meet soon in the seventh house. Wow. Yeah. So Saturn on top of the moon, I believe is a, there's a, uh, an, an Eastern philosophy. I don't know if it's from Yotish. J- um sade sati i believe that's the term for it where it was a really it's a really intense period in your life and they it it is really related to the time of the where saturn is in the sign before your moon on top of your moon and afterwards so yeah i i I have some empathy for you friend and i hope that you're doing okay out there, because that can be a really challenging time in one's life. Um, Okay. let's see kate says a perfect day for the sun to shine on this. Cosmo shiva being at a group meeting of like astrological minds yeah kate this is a it is exciting to see all the folks in here and to have conversations with you all i love it uh, so many people said austin <laughs> oh, yeah well he's the first person that comes to mind right i mean generally i think astrologers are not everyone, not, not all of them. We shouldn't, we shouldn't put astrologers in a box because they're all different. They're all unique individuals. They all have different, uh, philosophical viewpoints on life. They there's diff- people of different political aspirations in that, in this community, but often you will see people that are, you know, trying to preach peace and, you know, there there is a new age kind of archetype with it. And, but then you get some folks that are like, oh no, I'm, in, I'm into this other stuff. And, uh, I would say that the astrological magic folks have uh some most some of them are a little bit less like love and light and a little bit more like, you know, let's let's do some MMA fighting or something like that. Uh, you know, that that's another question. Is the fight physical or is it like a wizard battle? Cuz that could be that could be another type of like uh that would be a different a question to ask potentially because you know if you're on astro twitter you've probably seen a few wizard battles (laughs) play out on that format i try to stay out of that kind of thing for the most part but uh it definitely exists um okay edwina is here tuning in from north central pennsylvania welcome friend uh oh yes lynn i wouldn't want to meet sam reynolds in a fight that's a good call i agree with that sam was a boxer Sam came up as a boxer and uh, you know, he's a Scorpio son. So there's another sign you don't really want to mess with is those Scorpio sons. Cause Scorpio being ruled by Mars, there's a, there's like a, a defender of the dying life force. That's another sign where, you know, if the chips are down, that person's going to just be I I don't know, like a berserker, right? Uh, that's so yes, that's a good call. I, I might even, I might even change my answer <laughs> like with that. Oh, let's see. Okay, okay. We've got some calls for Rick Levine, the Leo King. I don't know about that one. Uh, Let's see. Don said my first response was Adam due to his recent "Pump It Up," and then y'all said Austin, and I was like, "Yep, there you go." Okay. Karen is here from New Zealand. Uh, Don says Vikings master master chokers in the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) You said it out loud. I mean, it's true. Sad, sad, but true. Although like, you know, this is the thing. Sports goes in cycles at the end of the day. And this is what my partner, Tanya reminds me at the end of the day, every team is going to lose except for one at, at the end of the season. So there's going to be heartbreak no matter what for, for 31 other franchises. If you're following American football, So you just have to take it in stride. I used to get really bent out of shape about this as a young person. I I don't really anymore. I I mean, I'm still invested. But what I don't like is when my team is middling. I would rather my team be really, really good or really, really bad. And I think that, you know, it's more fun when your team's really, really bad because then you can get excited about the draft because you get a really high draft pick and you might get some really exceptional talent. As a person who likes to project things out into the future, I, I really love studying like drafts for the NBA for the NFL. Uh that was one of my mistakes in in um fantasy football as I I studied the draft pretty pretty intensely but um not as much some of the other players on the other teams which I won't make that mistake twice uh in the next season. For those of you wondering I finished last in our 11 <laughs> team fantasy football league. Uh it was my first year doing fantasy football and I again was a little bit too um, subjective in choosing players that I liked versus ones that I thought would do well. Um, Like I had too many green Bay Packers in the beginning of the season and I picked young players that i'd studied in the draft that I thought were going to be really good but, and they did turn out to be really good, but not until the end of the season. Uh, And i and that's a lesson learned right there Uh, Lynn says sad not to see Green Bay or Minnesota going on but now I can cheer for Brock Purdy. <laughs> okay. He's a great story, isn't he? Brock Purdy, if you don't aren't familiar is a uh the like the third string quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Um they had two major injuries to their starting quarterbacks Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo and then Brock Purdy swooped in and has you know taken them to the promised land here. It's pretty pretty interesting to see. It's a great story. So yeah, I I, I can always root for an underdog like that um <laughs> i don't know if i can read all of kate's comments here but kate is is uh talking about the the shrinking shirts on nightlight astrology with with the uh, fitness journey that that um our friend is going on uh, okay i think that we'll, we'll, you know there's always some good mis- midwestern shop busting that's happening here and it's all done in good fun um Okay. <laughs> uh Stephen says that my second house of Capricorn feels a lot lighter now that the sun has moved into Aquarius. My third house will bring more communication. Yes, Pluto shift into my third house, interesting time. Yeah, that's something to consider friends is that Pluto is going to be moving signs very shortly and it's going to be um playing out its story in a different area of our life. Um, you know, for example, I've had Pluto in the 6th house and it's really over the last two decades. I've really had to change the way that I work my my routines with my health and my physical uh, body uh, relationship um, and it, now it'll be moving in the seventh house so that it'll shift to a different arena to play out and everybody's going to be going through that shift and I know that there's a lot of people have some fear about it. Um, but I do think that it's really important to understand that you've been through some Pluto cycles in your life you've survived if you're still here in this chat and um, you know. It's a transformational energy. There's a, definitely th- themes of death and rebirth, themes of revealing that which is hidden, uh, re- maybe even revealing some corruption that has been hidden for maybe the specific purpose to, to, to heal it, right? There's a transformative healing energy that comes with that. So I think that if you go into it willingly without tensing all of your muscles up, right, uh, I think you'll have a better experience. If you go willingly into the, the transformative energy rather than resisting it, uh, I think that'll, you know, get you out of that, that cycle um, in intact. And that's true for a lot of things when we are experiencing changes. Don says so much German here, Norwegian and Russian, all oh, the Vikings. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we do have a, a lot of Scandinavian energy here in the chat. In addition to having Swiss ancestry, uh, the other part of my family is from Norway. So I I also uh, am part Thorson. If there's any Thorsons out there that you know, that is, I'm probably related to some of them and way long back. So Baumgartners, Thorsons, and Michels are the ones that that I know about for the most part. Oh, Lynn has Swiss German ancestors and Mennonites too. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, they, I visited their settlement in um, Indiana, where my my family first settled in like the late seventeen hundreds, early eighteen hundreds, late seventeen hundreds, uh, and my family were they were deacons in the Mennonite Church or in the Mennonite system, and which is really interesting because they they were some of the only people of the time that could read and write. So I actually have letters from my ancestors. Uh, just talking about their spirituality and some of it's actually fairly progressive for the time i can i can say i feel actually pretty pretty um i don't know happy that they were a little bit more accommodating to to multiple world views and things of that nature uh, so it's it's a very interesting piece of history to have uh, i i visited a um a graveyard in like rural indiana that, that had like five generations of my grandparents which is That was intense, It's just in the middle of a cornfield in the middle of nowhere. Um, But yeah, pretty, pretty interesting to connect with that. Um, Laura is here, Laura Burns. Hello, friend. Uh, Curious about Pluto in the first house. Does it bring health issues like Saturn? Aquarius rising friend of mine has been having a hard time with Saturn and wondering if it will continue with Pluto. That is a great question, Laura. Um, You know, I can speak from Experience with my, my partner's experience, I will say my partner is a, is a Capricorn rising and did have Saturn moving through Capricorn and has had Pluto hanging out there for quite a long time and I won't give away too many, too many of Tanya's secrets but um, I can say that she's gone through quite a quite a big transformation even in the time that we've met. she has uh, gone through a lot of shifts of, of a sense of self. And her identity and who she is and how she projects out into the world. there have been some health issues about taking care of herself in a different way. Um, there's you know it, it really is a death and rebirth experience that I, I can say that've I've witnessed with someone having Pluto and Saturn moving through the first house. Um, I do think that Saturn binds us to a responsibility. I think Saturn says, all right, you are you are tied to this particular experience and and as it, if it's in Aquarius now versus Capricorn, instead of being bound to mm, taking care of our material responsibilities, I think there might be a binding with, with Saturn going through Aquarius to taking care of our our mental responsibilities. Oftentimes Saturn brings us the, the quality of limitations, right? The kind of experience of limitations. And I think that one of the things that is the biggest difference between Capricorn and Aquarius, and I and I really like this, This I'm using a concept that I've learned from, from Joy Usher. Uh, Joy Usher is an Australian astrologer who wrote the books, A Tiny Universe. So the, this is a concept that I'm kind of borrowing from her. I want to give credit where credit is due. So you think about, you can think about the... Uh, ...Saturn and Capricorn as everything inside the walls of a castle or limitations, almost like a like a prisoner right you're feeling like you're you're bound inside this box of matter on some level. And you're trying to incarnate something you're trying to infuse something into matter, Uh, and there may feel like there's limitations associated with that, because when we you know bind spirit into matter. It will automatically have some kind of limit attached to it, whereas we maybe we think of our imagination or our, our spirit as limitless. Now, who knows if that's true or not? What maybe we'll find out someday. But um, when we think about the difference between that and Aquarius, Aquarius is more about the limitations of our minds and our ideas. But but I think that this is a really important point that she makes that um, we can think of like Capricorn. She describes Capricorn as the iron wall. She describes uh, Saturn in Aquarius as the glass ceiling where we can see the possibilities, but we have this this limiting belief that stops us from doing something, and I think that you could think of that in two ways, you could think of that as something that's a narrative that's holding us back from from doing something that we want to do, and we have to examine whether that is healthy or not, sometimes the beliefs that we have create structures for our societies. And so some of those limitations are healthy. I think Saturn Aquarius is more about creating the, the is about the ideals behind the laws that we create. Saturn in and, and Capricorn is more about the physical structures, the infrastructure of society, right? Like the roads, the, the buildings, uh, where, where's the money coming from, all of these things. Saturn Aquarius is more about the ideals that we shape our society around. So, if you have Saturn moving through your first house in Aquarius, <clears throat> you're probably having to examine your ideals and whether they are serving you or whether they are limiting you. Um, are they? Are, is that structure supporting your life or is it holding you back? Pluto is a little bit of a different energy. Pluto, first of all, I think it's important to acknowledge that Pluto is much more of a collective energy than Saturn is, right? Uh, the outer planets. Um, I think we're still kind of discovering what they're all about on some level, because they are they're newly discovered in comparison to the traditional seven planets. They also are not as visible as the other planets, so some of their meaning may still be shrouded in a little bit of mystery. Um, But we can make some connections with the historical periods that those planets have been, you know, you know, cropping up. Right, so think about this too. Like, I've been banging the drum for this this book. I don't think I have it here with me, but uh, oh yeah, I do. Uh, the Flowering Wand. I've been you know banging the drum of this book. This probably will be my spring book club book. So if you like this book, I think we'll go through it together in the spring session. Um, but talking about how myth and ideas and characters and heroes. Uh, deities, gods, all crop up uh, in different time periods, utilizing the resources of that particular time, culture, and space. And they may have some kind of connection with an archetypal ideal that is maybe underneath the surface. And I think Pluto might work in this fashion as well, because Pluto is related to Hades, the god of the underworld, right? So he automatically, we have a, a relationship with like what is under the earth, the mycelial networks that that connect us. I think what Pluto does is, you know, I heard the, let me think about this for a second. Let me collect my thoughts before I pontificate. This is what happens when you have a retrograde Mercury in your chart. You have to kind of think and reflect for a second. I I did hear the the folks, Austin and Chris Brennan, and uh, I believe it was Diana Rose Harper, talking about, uh, the astrology for 2023 and how pluto might represent the collective projected fears right and think about these things are probably underneath the surface of the earth and when pluto moves into a different sign it might be like the fruiting body of a mushroom erupting in that time and space utilizing the the, the themes that we are facing as a collective so I do think that there's collective themes that we're going to be going through with Pluto and Aquarius that are related to technology, that are related to c- communal ideals. Okay. So like Pluto and Capricorn was it sort of brought up fear of some of the physical structures that we had governing our lives. Like we had a, a big wealth gap that that expanded during that Pluto and Capricorn period, where we saw the corruption in our Leaders and the in our leaders of industry, I guess as well. We had the billionaires getting more billionaire. We had a lot of the 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 challenges of like you know Occupy Wall Street and and like of some of the corruption we've seen in various authoritarian governments over the last few decades or whatever that have gotten louder. And now we so those were sort of like the physical structures that we arrange our life with. I think now we're going to be asking ourselves these questions, what does it even mean to be human right, what is what is as as we see the advent of of artificial intelligence start to become more a part of our daily life and. For those of you who are trying to ignore that I, I wouldn't ignore it too long because it's it really is going to be a life changing thing. Uh, where we're going to be asking ourselves like what does it mean to be an artist, what does it mean to be a writer, um, when we offload? When we when we put these tasks up into a cloud consciousness, right, like kind of like Ganymede, uh, the the archetypal figure in in a lot of Aquarian stories being lifted up to Mount Olympus, maybe we're we're putting our own consciousness out into a cloud of sorts. And and I think that there's going to be some fear around that there's there's always going to be pluses and minuses for major changes in a collective experience. Uh, the technology itself may not be is maybe neutral, like it may not be good or bad, um, but we're probably going to experience some amazing advances in in those themes, and we're also probably going to experience some some real challenges. I'm I tend to be a, a a sort of a late adapter when it comes to technological things, um, not necessarily with social ideas. Sometimes I tend to be I I, I can. I try to be progressive. I don't know if I—I I probably have some blind spots in some areas, but I, I'm at least trying. And I think that with technology, though, I'm always asking myself it, whether, even if we can do something, should we? What are the ramifications of this? Like, being a fairly cautious person, I—I I, I try to wait and see whether things are going to be how it's all going to shake out. And I feel the same way about the AI technology. I think that there's going to be some real challenges around it. I think that there's going to be some really amazing advances that come from it. Uh, so I think that's the first issue that could come up. And when you have a, an angular Pluto experience, those changes are really going to affect you and your sense of self. Like for if we go back to Laura's question, you know, the, the person that's going to be experiencing Pluto in the first house is probably going to feel those questions of who am I in this new uh reality who am i now that ai has started to uh, offload some of the tasks that w- traditionally made us human like like pursuing art like being a writer like all of those things um so i think that it's a it's a longer term change all the changes aren't going to happen overnight although we've been getting a preview over the last few months about what ai might look like they released chat gpt in um November, and there's been a lot of noise about it. I also think Pluto in Aquarius is going to really show us the necessity of communal action. I think Saturn also asks us sometimes to do things that are not fun for the good of the collective rather than for the good of the self. And Pluto is going to say, Hey, it's I think Pluto is like a report card. Yeah, you know, we had a preview with Saturn moving through Aquarius and like. Can you take communal responsibility for others, especially when it comes to like the air that you breathe together, right? With a a global pandemic. And I think that Pluto and Aquarius is going to show us whether, whether we succeeded or whether we didn't and what some of the actual ramifications and repercussions of that might be. I recently read an article about uh, some kind of DeVos conference, which is a, a conference of elite billionaires or something like that. And it was a, it was a, It was both scary and hopeful at the same time, where they were taking these elite, like rich people were taking COVID very seriously, they had all sorts of HEPA filters, UV lights uh, installed in this conference like there was the technology, my point being the technology exists for clean air and the people with the resources thought it was so important to do this and that that they did not want to get covid and they did not think it was a cold and all of these things that they put these very expensive things into place now to me that's like oh well the people with resources don't want to get sick also it tells me that the technology exists to be able to have clean air for the collective and i think that we may be looking to that uh, more so with pluto going into aquarius because the repercussions from COVID are very new. We still don't know what the long-term effects of that are going to be. We're still dealing with new variants all the time and things like that. And I don't want this to make this a huge COVID talk. But at the same time, as as we move in the air age of Saturn and Jupiter, these themes are going to come up more, that, that our actions do have an effect on other people. Whether we want to be staunch individualists or not, I think that that's going to be the shift in consciousness that we will not be able to ignore any longer. And all of the pandemic issues aside, I think the other thing that we're going to see with that is the, the challenge of being able to keep the planet habitable for the most amount of people, right? I think that with climate change, we've been seeing severe weather events increase in their uh, frequency over the last few years. And I think that when Pluto moves into Aquarius, we're not gonna be able to just ignore that and go on with our everyday lives. I think that there will potentially be some very challenging experiences with potential collapses of like food systems and things like that, where we just can't ignore these shifts in, in weather patterns. Now, before you take that information and you're like, oh my God, we're all fucked. <laughs> like, the turnaround is this. Human beings are one of the most adaptable creatures over the course of history, and I do think that and I hope and I pray that when the crises when the shit really hits the fan. that innovation will will start to really accelerate and we will find solutions to this, like I said, most of these a lot of the solutions already exist, we just need to get on board with it, that was what it was inspiring about that article is like oh we've got. The ability to install new filtration systems in collective spaces we've got uv technology that will create clean air, we just need to, and this is very Aquarian, we need to start advocating for those things. Right, we need to start saying we're not going to accept dirty air, just like in the past, where we had to pass legislation limits of Saturn to be able to not have dirty water like there were people that were kind of like a you know back in the time when we were advocating for clean water act and things like that there were people that were like this is ridiculous why do we need to do this well, you know this is these are crazy people and then we see in the future that uh oh we are poisoned you know or or with our food like things like ddt people made a big stink about outlawing those things and we almost caused a complete collapse of like the bald eagle species we had all sorts of cancer issues with like pesticides on foods and things like that. So it does take the collective starting to have these conversations, and they're difficult conversations. You know, you're gonna get some heat from people in your life if you start having these conversations because they're uncomfortable, but they're necessary. And this is I think this is aquarian energy in a nutshell. You have to do what you think is right through foresight. That's important. If we think about the theme of of Prometheus. The god of foresight, or the titan of foresight, he suffered for the, those those opinions. He was chained to a rock and had his liver eaten every day, and it would regenerate every day. But he's like he, but he was very stubborn about it. Like Aquarius is a fixed sign, he said, "I'm committed to my ideals. I'm not going to tell you Zeus what you want to know." Zeus was like, "You need to tell me who's going to usurp me, or like how I'm going to die, or something like that." And this is why Zeus kept him alive. He was torturing him because he wanted information from him. But he, he was like, I'm not going to tell you shit. until you know? <laughs> like he, He's like, I'll sit here every day, like I get this liver kind of eaten out. I'll suffer for this. So I do think that there's some suffering involved for our ideals in Aquarius. And I do think, I talk with my Aquarian clients a lot where I say, look, you might not get the the parade or the applause for your Beliefs and your opinions, but if you're if you have the collective's best interest in mind, it's still important that you pursue this because eventually you will be your ideas will start to be adopted into the collective. So I do think it's important to examine our lives from the thirty thousand foot viewpoint right now, and you can do this personally. Do this with Pluto moving into a certain section of your life. Look at it from a thirty thousand foot viewpoint and say what issues can I start to work on to eliminate corruption, to deal with things that have been repressed for a long, long time? We all do this, we all do it. We all try to push down some uncomfortable things. And Pluto says, you better look at this now. It's time to look at it. It's time to regenerate some part of this that has fallen into corruption. And we're gonna be regenerating our relationship to technology. We're gonna be regenerating our relationship to each other. And I'm all I'm here for it. All right. I'm here for that, because I think that we've become so divided in the past few decades, years, centuries, whatever it is, that there are going to be experiences that say you better work together or everyone will perish. So that's my thought. That's my long answer, <laughs> Laura, to your question. I'm going to keep looking at the chat here. Sorry for my long winded digression, but I hope that, that was helpful. Uh, Stephen says... Oh, don't cross the Pisces with Sag moon, Sag rising, Saturn and Taurus, Jupiter and Scorpio can be ruthless at times. Okay, I won't cross you. (laughs) Like I said, the Pisces don't underestimate your jolly Piscean friends for sure. Faye says, with my Venus Kazemi and Mercury and Aquarius, so happy to be here for this connection. Well, thank you, Faye. I'm glad that you're here today. I hope that you are doing well and um, hanging in there. Dada Turk is here. I mean the last segment segment of Sade Sati New Moon is now conjunct, my natal moon. Hello from Sarajevo, Bosnia. Hello, friend. Well, nice to see a new a new voice in the chat here. Welcome. And yes, the last segment, I I that's probably been a long few years, I I would imagine. But we grow from it. We learn from it, don't we? Um Fiances Gand, hand-to-hand combat. Oh boy. So let's see. Oh man, I'm going, I'm having to go way back in the chat here. Sorry, I'm missing some things here. I've been talking for a while, so I missed some of these great comments. Don says, I was raised an eight mile. I can defend you. <laughs> good, good, Don. You and Eminem, are, we're going to be coming in with like our hoodies on, like do, 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 I'm trying to do that, that Eminem beat, <laughs> right? Um, Says, I can, mom will throw dirt and make it an equal fight one way or another. <laughs> okay, thanks, Todd. You got my back. All right. Rachel says, I choose Tanya Andrews for the wizard battle. You know what? Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, Tanya is a, is a wonderful hoodoo uh, priestess sort of energy. Um, and she has put all sorts of protections on our house. So I am grateful for her. She, she's, she's my protector. So yes, good call, Rachel. And she's got some really great stuff in her Third Coast Mojo um, Etsy uh, account. If you want to check out some of those offerings, she's got some really nice Venus and Jupiter stuff. But also, Susie has some Mars and Scorpio stuff too. If you're looking for some protection in your life, Uh, Tanya is here. Speak of the devil. (laughs) Speak of the priestess. Says uh, just giving some love over to Rachel. There, she does have some tricks up her sleeve. Yeah, don't. Don't mess with these magic folks. I mean, I don't know. Tanya will be embarrassed for me telling the story, but she's got, she's a little bit hard headed with that Capricorn ascendant. I believe that there was some old stories of her, um, you know, headbutting butting somebody <laughs> like a long, long time ago, not recently, but in her youth, uh, she uh, <laughs> was not someone to mess with. And I always feel safer around her, so, you know as, as a cancer son, having a cap partner is uh, it makes you feel safe. I think, uh, Rachel says, sorry, checking in late coming around uh, after taking post chore pre-dinner, pre new moon nap. I bet I expected him still in plenty of time for good stuff. Yes, Rachel, as you've probably noticed, um, oftentimes you can leave and come back and I'll still be going. I wanted to take that opportunity to take a stretch break here. This is one thing I've been trying to incorporate into, uh, these lives, since I do like to do more of a long form type of experience here, it is important to stretch. Usually I try to do it every half hour but here it's on the hour um, and I think that's a good it's important for you to do that as well, this is a great opportunity for me while i'm stretching to ask you for your help to like this video to subscribe to the channel. To be kind to yourself and get yourself some water, hydrate, get a snack, stretch your legs out, shake it out, okay? It's important we get movement in. This is something I've really, really committed to as I've entered my forties, is that we do with with the advent of all these air age challenges, we do spend a lot of time in front of our screens and we do have to make sure that we're moving and Getting some some blood to our systems and circulation, this is another thing that Aquarius is associated with Is the circulation, so I hope that i'm modeling positive behavior by getting up and shaking it out every once in a while. It doesn't take much it's just a habit that you can get into. Okay we'll get a little little snack for the blood sugar here. I'm not sponsored by this company, but these are called Own Only What You Need, O-W-Y-N, non-dairy protein shake. This is like a pea protein shake that is a good snack to keep you going so you don't have to do a bunch of like chewing during these sessions. You can just slam a little bit of that to keep you going. They're very tasty. You got to eat real food though too. Okay ek says oh says wizard battle rick levine or the fortune's wheelhouse host yeah <clears throat> t susan chang man she'd be pretty tough too and mm maline i think that's her name i like this is an interesting conversation <laughs> like like, like astrologer cage match <laughs> you know what i mean oh boy i try to avoid confrontations, so i, I don't want to get into battles with anybody i i You know i want to get along with folks so uh to me the best way to win a fight is to avoid it uh rachel says pluto is fascinating you really see how much deep work has been going on reflecting back yes absolutely and again we each have a pluto in our natal charts or a position where pluto was when we were born we all have pluto transiting somewhere in our chart just as we all have the other planets transiting somewhere again Fear, a little bit of fear is healthy. I think I've heard my friend Adam say this, and I agree with him. Fear is a natural response that is a is a survival mechanism. So a little bit of that can help you take the actions that will help you make changes that are necessary or to protect you. But when we get to when we get to extremes, that's when we can, that's when we get a little bit off balance. So feel your feelings, appreciate the, the things that come up as as Pluto moves signs. But then, you know, start doing the difficult work of making important changes. And I think that you'll get through those periods uh, intact. Katie is here from Portland. Hello, friend. Uh, Rachel says, I actually put some of my tiredness down, not just to Saturn the last few years, but this whole long Pluto cycle in my house of relationships. Well, Rachel, you'll have to give me notes because I'm gonna be going through that pretty soon. Hopefully uh, it'll be decent. I don't know. anytime you have a, a, a outer planet in an angular house i'm sure that we feel it more intensely i have uranus going through my 10th house right now so i'm definitely feeling a lot of shakeups in my career and how i'm doing business and really like how i put myself out into the world and the amount of energy that i'm willing or i'm willing that i'm able to do with like you know client work and things of that nature and it's it's been quite a big shift in that regard as well and i will say you always get a ramp up period from the cadent house to the angular house. And then you see what the results of it in the succeeding house. So uh, for example, I, I, discovered in, I discovered, traditional astrology was presented to my consciousness uh, when Uranus was moving through my ninth house. And then I shifted careers pretty much from being a professional musician to a professional astrologer when Uranus hit my 10th house. And then there'll be extra changes that happen when Uranus moves into my 11th I think it's the same with Pluto you're going to feel the ramp up period like i've got a ramp up period. uh, With Pluto moving through my sixth house that's preparing me for something and feel it more in the angular House and then there will be events that will be happening afterwards so just think of it as those um, past, present, future ramp up the event itself, the aftermath type of thing as well. Lynn says, I've had some really transformative health experiences with Pluto and Cap in the first. Yeah, I've noticed this with my partner too. Uh, like, made some really, really healthy changes, like with her sleep and, and diet and exercise and things like that. I'm really proud of the effort that Tanya's been putting into that. And I don't mean to call her out too much here. Um, but I, I will say that she's been just uh, really doing a lot of hard work in that regard and, and making a lot of really, really important and awesome changes. Lynn says Saturn is also in my first. Yeah. So the combination of those is intense, isn't it? When we have a Saturn Pluto conjunction. Kate says Leo rising Aquarius sun. My life is filled with experience and self undoing or my being or being my own worst enemy, blocking myself in ways, undoing myself in deprecating or depreciating kind of thinking. Sorry, deprecating. Is that what it? Depreciating. sorry i'm having trouble reading today i'm assuming that means like a self-deprecating type of experience um yes i think that aquarius sun sometimes can have some challenges with their self-image and having some challenging belief systems around who and what they are and how they fit in remember saturn cast things into exile we're experiencing with aquarius season like this stepping down off of the throne of matter if you could call that the third decan of capricorn and willingly going off into the fringe or the frontier to try to find beauty in that which has been discarded so it's kind of like this experience where you're like you know what i think pluto could also be like this too Pluto exposed the corruption in Capricorn, and we're like, you know what? We don't even want to play by those rules anymore. Those aren't the right rules to play with. We we saw the results of that, which is bringing us to the brink of of you know habitat destruction and and in, inhability inhabitability is that a word? It, it, the world being difficult to inhabit by humans and other animals. Um, and we're probably when Pluto is moving into said or. Aquarius being like, we just need to change the rules of the game completely. Uh, All the assumptions that we're making about how society should be arranged, they need to be uh, reimagined. And I know it's scary, but it's change is necessary sometimes. I mean, change is always happening. It's just we have to come into alignment with it. That's it's we have to accept that the change is happening rather than try to live in an old narrative that just isn't it. It isn't serving the times that we're in now it's it's not the we're not telling ourselves the right stories right now okay there are some people that are trying to tell us future-orientated stories but the mycelium the 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 season has changed the the materials that we're working with are different and that's okay that just happens that's life uh steven says saturn is in my sixth house Sixth house concepts are work and health illness question mark yeah there's a few different ways you can think of sixth house Um, sixth house is the joy of mars so we can think about it as misfortune sometimes that isn't really necessarily our fault although you could think of it two ways oftentimes when we have an illness it's the result of many many years of neglect so that's that could be one thing that could happen although Mars is usually bringing us misfortune that is random, the random distribution of 2K or fortune. So I- instead of feeling the guilt associated with it, we might have to be dealing with uh, something that is not fun, that we didn't exactly choose, that isn't always our fault. Okay. Um, we don't want to victim blame with six house stuff. Uh, so, six house, the way to do six house, I think, well, is to prepare for some unexpected things, uh, to be able to do the work that it asks you to do in response to maybe a a challenging circumstance. Oftentimes it is a a preparatory phase for a completion because it is the Caden house related to the seventh house that is related to the setting sun in the west. So you may have to do a lot of preparatory work to get to the finish line that you might feel is like thankless, that you might feel is challenging or that you're not getting credit or you're not being seen. There's a lot of invisibility because of its aversion to the Ascendant. But I think if you prepare well in your sixth house transits, uh, the result that you see when the planet moves into the seventh house uh, will be better. I think that you'll have better outcomes if you do that hard work. once the sixth houses are like, I had Saturn in the sixth house a few years ago, and it's been in the seventh for the last couple of years. Uh, I've had Pluto moving through the sixth house. I've had to change my diet. I've had to. I when We had a an eclipse with Saturn and Capricorn. I I broke a tooth, like a, a wisdom tooth, and I really had to change my diet completely to be able to uh, to kind of heal that tooth. What I what I basically was able to do was uh, arrest the decay in the broken tooth long enough to have an experimental like uh, I don't know there's this kind of Japanese um, experimental tooth uh, thing where they they rub a little bit of like I believe it's like a little fluoride treatment or something on your tooth and it and it seals the tooth and they use it for like toddlers that can't get a a filling but they were like do you want to try this like it's either that or we're gonna to have to pull that tooth and I was like go ahead try it and and All the pain went away it was it was fine and i know there you know people have opinions about health things but what i was able to do was was change my diet long enough to be able to have a solution come so so that's another thing doing the hard work so that you can have a better outcome um let's see Yevgen says Pluto is digging out treasures. That's another interesting thing, too. Yeah, sometimes we can find something that's been buried that is a good thing. It doesn't always have to be a corrupt thing with Pluto. Maybe it's like we're we're revealing uh, the wealth of the land, because I believe Pluto is another word for wealth as well. So that is a good point. Cheers to you. Um, Let's see. I'm looking for questions. Yeah, yeah, Kate says I have Cap Sixth House with Mercury and more, but I've struggled with dental problems my entire life. That's interesting, yeah, because I had a I literally had a dental problem when Saturn was moving through my Capricorn sixth house. D is here. Hello, D slash Darren. Nice to see you, friend. Good to see you, my friend. Um I am looking for questions. Kate says, Pluto reminds me of that phase in an illness where everything comes out and you're shaking through your nervous system. The purge where you wish you could fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, another interesting way to think about Pluto. Robert Schmidt had some really interesting ideas about the outer planets that I I sometimes like to uh share. He thinks of them. If you had to someone asked him in a in a workshop, if you had to compare. The planets, to uh, to a traditional planet, what would you think? And he he had some really interesting answers. He compared Neptune to a transcendental moon, like substance, right, body. Uh, he compared Uranus to a transcendental sun, awareness, clarity, uh, sh- collective consciousness. And then he compared Pluto to a transcendental Mercury, and Mer- Mercury, uh, and I've heard. I've heard other people compare Pluto to a transcendental Venus, I've heard, um, what's his name, I've heard Sam Reynolds say that in a lecture, I like this idea of a transcendental Mercury, though, because Pluto is a planet of change, Mercury is a planet of change, it's a planet of liminal spaces, so yes, we're going through the collective changes, the collective like, all right, we're going to take the elements of the the sun and the moon, the body and the spirit, and we're going to mix them up. And I think Saturn is like the, the 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 I don't know the spoon that's stirring it all together on some level, but in a very intense way, a collective way. So I, I, that's kind of the way I think of Pluto now. It's like almost like a yeah, you know, it's its own thing. It's not Mercury, but if you had to think about it in, the, in that regard of that a chemical mixture, the the force of change. I think that that's a good way to think about it. But I like your I like your your metaphor too, Kate. Uh, Steven says, if we need clean air soon, we may be moving to Mars, like in total recall. I hope not, Stephen. I hope that we take responsibility for the planet that we're on. I mean, have you seen pictures of Mars recently? There's not a whole lot going on there. (laughs) It's dusty. I believe it's super cold or hot or whatever. It's it's one of those extremes. And it is, uh, I think that we have a really beautiful planet here. And I think if we just kind of work together to, to salvage it, um, I think that we can create uh, a really nice experience. Uh, that's my hope. That's my hope for the generations to come. I, I, I think it's a mistake to think that we should just use this planet up and move to another one. I think that's very exploitive. And I hope that as a species, we can learn to work in symbiosis with our planet with our with our mother Gaia rather than just think of it as something to be used up and thrown away and then moving to another planet and using it up and throwing it away that that to me is very problematic. Um, and, I, and I really hope that we start to see how, how things are connected like like we've been talking about with fungus and with mycelia and the fruiting body of a, of a mushroom. We, we need to think about how we are connected to everything, this is why we talk about ecosystems and when like, for example, if, if the bees have trouble. The flowers aren't going to get pollinated and the the fruits and vegetables aren't going to grow that affects us that's what we eat. Uh, And that's what the animals eat if we eat meat right so one little little tiny insect if we don't protect it can can cause the whole system to collapse, so another theme of Aquarius is just that global thinking that we need. um do, do 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 do. I'm going back. Sometimes the chat will skip around. That's why sometimes I'm looking for stuff. And I know I'm probably late. You probably said this, these comments like 20 minutes ago, but (laughs) but, uh, I'm trying to get to as many as I can here. Let's see, friends. These are so great. Thank you so much for these comments. This is awesome. I love this chat. This is why I like just showing up and having a good conversation with you all. Uh, Do 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 do. Kate says, "Wow, Rachel, even transit sounds like an x-ray that sounds so challenging. I'm sure vitality themes of surface sending you strength and fortitude yes, I, I agree. Uh, Rachel says we need, we truly need a collective push for change spoken like a true Aquarian, Rachel. There you go. Yes, you are right. We do. And it starts with us. It starts with us believing that it's possible. It starts with us uh, recognizing that there's a problem, admitting there's a problem, not getting too down about the problem, and then using our brilliant minds to come up with collective solutions. Uh, I was sent an article this morning about that, that, that DeVos conference that was scary because there are people that are very much are like, yes, this is a huge deal. This, this, this illness, this pandemic is still a big problem. And the, the people with resources are still taking it very, very seriously. And But there was also some really interesting things in there about the technology that we could use to, to be able to make change. There was also a a kind of a a DIY plan for an air filter that you can make at your house with like a box fan and like uh, like heating and cooling filters which I think that might be a weekend project that we do in our house this weekend. Um, So there's there's solutions when 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 you have a problem uh, accepting the problem is the first issue or the first stage and then utilizing your creativity. To come up with with innovative solutions, I think that's that's really part of an Aquarian story, and it can help you to get over some of the despair that you might feel in the initial reaction to the problems that we're facing there's always going to be problems there's always going to be challenges. Beth says there was a UV robot going down the aisle at the grocery store last week I was bug eyed yeah get ready for more robots in our collective consciousness and just in our everyday lives, I think that. That is going to be a part of our reality moving forward. And we have to start to determine, you know, what are some of the ethical issues that we're gonna be dealing with? And how are we gonna deal, deal with that philosophically? Um, what rights do they have? What, uh, how are we gonna program those, those robots to, are they gonna be of service? How do we protect ourselves if they get too conscious? Like it's, this is what science fiction is all about, friends. <laughs> it's like being able to, to see the future Uh, to be able to see what could the potentials could be. Science fiction writers are philosophers, they're ethicists. They're trying to show us a potential future as a warning oftentimes, or as a potential. Like I think of like Star Trek as as a, you know, not just a warning, but like as a, this is what could happen if we banded together and worked together with each other. And like, instead of like these dystopian futures, they're all just possibilities. Uh, we get to make the choice of of where we want to go next, and I, I think that's really important to remember. Rachel says, "Thank you, Kate. Awareness of the times I'm living has helped me to navigate the not in a not pushy way through the last year." Yes, clarity is important. Kate says, "Prometheus, bite my nose off to to spite my face." I've been told this so many times. Yes, this is a this is an Aquarian ideal, isn't it? Nanda Debbie is here. Hello, friend says, and trust that now you have the strength to look at those tough spots. Yes, this is part of the plutonic journey, I think, right? Okay, Laura is saying, thank you. Uh, that was awesome, thank you. Okay, I'm, I'm assuming that was a comment in, in regards to answering the question about Saturn and Pluto in the first house 20 minutes ago. <laughs> See, I'm behind in the chat, but thank you, Laura. Uh, Kate says, oh, Rachel, thank, thank the gods for astrology. My son was very, very ill. But I knew this signification was possible beforehand, this helps, we are built for this, yes, the gift of foresight is very important, this is part of the reason we study astrology, so that we can prepare ourselves emotionally for things that may come. For the good things and the bad things, right, sometimes we can prepare to take advantage of opportunities where we might be able to do positive things, sometimes we know that we need to hold back because we might be heading into a period of scarcity, all of those things are, are really important and positive uh, uses for astrology. Uh Flavia is here. Hello, friend. Crazy Times. Thanks for the guidance. Yes, welcome. I hope that you are doing well, my friend. And that everything is well in your uh sphere right now. Rachel says, if you get a chance to talk about the I Ching, Spencer, I'd love to hear more about how you use it in divination. Do you have a particular edition and what does it mean to cast the I Ching? That's a great question, Rachel. I would love to talk about the I Ching. I'm going to take that opportunity to take a mini stretch here and go get the book that I think is the best is my favorite book. So I will show you both my first I Ching book and my favorite I Ching book. My first is not necessarily my favorite. But it was good, and it it got me through a lot of interesting things. It just was was very cryptic, and the first I Ching book that I ever had was the Illustrated I Ching by R. L. Wing, and it had these wonderful like Japanese um, or Chinese art, like like block prints in it. Um, It had the the oracle, uh, and then it had like a description, and then the changing lines in the back. And I would write these out on pieces of paper. I would, I would cast the I Ching by hand with coins. And I had like a whole like folder of questions. This was probably back in 2000. And f- I think I started using it in two, maybe 2001 <laughs> something like that. It's been a while. And um, that book is great. The, the one that I like now is The Laws of Change the I Ching and the Philosophy of Life by Jack M. Balkan, who is a scholar and a professor. He is a Knight Professor of Constitutional Law and the First Amendment at Yale Law School and founder and director of Yale's Information Society Project. Uh, his books and articles range over many different fields, including philosophy, law, politics, cultural evolution, and social theory. Um, this book is really great because. The I Ching draws a lot upon some of the ways that ancient Chinese culture was. um, Structured and you know Balkan being a law professor he's able to tap into that like cultural structure within that. Um, There are multiple translations that I use, though i'll show you what I do use is I actually cast the I Ching now on an APP and it's called. I Ching. It looks like this okay and you can cast the coins and you ask a question like say what is the essence i'll do one right here in real time for you of Pluto in Aquarius. So let's cast one together, so here we take the coins and we go there's one line there's the next line we're casting six lines okay and we will either get changing lines or we will get solid lines or broken lines and then we will either get changing lines or or we will get one specific hexagram in this case oh i love this we didn't get any changing lines but we got the hexagram number 11 which is called peace it's one of my favorite hexagrams uh it, tr- it translates it's called tai and it translates to peace harmony smoothly flowing prosperity union of high and low harmonious interaction things go well advance so i'm just i'll just read you a paragraph or two from jack m Bulkin's translation because i think this is a really great translation he says in tai three yang line, yang lines are at the bottom moving upwards to di- displace the three yin lines symbolizing the arrival of the great and the departure of the small an alternative interpretation is that the three yin lines which symbolize earth move downward they meet the three yang lines which symbolize heaven and are moving upwards thus the two influences meet symbolizing harmony when yin and yang heaven and earth work together in perfect concord all things prosper. Under either interpretation, Tai connotes a particularly auspicious time. This this hexagram and the next P, P P-I, standstill, are among the most important pairs of opposites in the Book of Changes. In their own way, they are as important as the first two hexagrams. Just as, I don't know some of the pronunciations, uh, I think it's, I'm not sure how to pronounce Q-I-A-N, that's Q-I-A-N, or Xi'an, is it like a S-H sound? And Kun uh, are, are alternate in processes of change. Tai and P represent alternation of human forces and social life. Good times do not last forever. Prosperity and cooperation eventually give way to stagnation and alienation. However, just when hindrances and obstacles are at their greatest, harmony and prosperity emerge once again. Enlightened people understanding this Try to nourish harmony and cooperation in order to keep the good times going as long as they can and to begin the process of renewal in times of difficulty. I love this. And then there's a judgment, peace, the petty depart, the great arrive, good fortune, success. I mean, that gives me an enormous amount of hope for the Pluto in Aquarius time frame. I mean, that tells me that I think people will start to finally, finally realize that we are united and connected and that we do have to work together to, for the survival of the human species and for the survival of, of the rest of nature as well. Um, so there's your hopeful hexagram for the day. Uh, so when you have a changing line, the, the I Ching is called the Book of Changes. So it's, it's, it's describing all of the, these different circumstances that you could experience in a, in a human or life or in nature. You know, in this case, peace, heaven and earth are, are working in harmony. Other times, there are times when those things are not working in harmony and we have like a standstill that they were describing where, the, where we're trying to deal with an obstruction and the I Ching will, will advise us to wait and hold back and have patience. Sometimes it advises us to take action. Sometimes it advises us to take things slowly, right? Uh, gently, be like the wind that is moving gently. I mean, really just, I, I cast a hexagram every day. Um, I cast one daily. I cast one for every new moon and full moon. I cast one for every client that I come in contact with no matter the reading. I always cast an I Ching for the client. And just by working with that for the last 20 years now, it just you learn so much about life and about how to flow with changes that it can it can bring that that hexagram 11 around the, the peaceful interaction and and just being able to see that the I Ching is Fairly bullish, I think, on uh, what Pluto and Aquarius would bring. It just gives me an enormous amount of hope and faith. And, uh, you know, it really comes to mind. It really brings to mind the, the star card, which is the card of Aquarius uh, in the major arcana, right? Which is sort of like the showing us the water pourer, or the water bearer. And one thing to <laughs> this is another thought one thing to think about with Aquarius archetypes and symbolism is there are a number of flood myths that are associated with Aquarian archetypes, okay? So you can literally see someone pouring out the the sweet water, right? The purified water in the star card. And I think that in these flood myths, the gods see that there's been corruption in the human world. And they're kind of like, we need a big reset. We need to wipe... Wipe, wipe the slate clean, so to speak. And the people that survived the flood are the ones that have foresight. There are a number of figures. There's like a Noah figure, there's Utnapishtim, I think is his name in the Epic of Gilgamesh. There's um, Deucalion in the Greek system where they all had this like foresight about a coming natural disaster where that would wipe the slate clean. Now, I hope that we don't have to experience some huge like cataclysmic event for this to happen. We can think of this metaphorically, where is, if we have foresight, we can work consciously to cleanse away some of the, the challenging belief systems that have caused us to come to the brink of extinction. And I, I just think Pluto and Aquarius is going to, now that I see that hexagram, it gives me a lot of faith that w- we will step up. And that we will find harmony um, between our ideals and what needs to happen here on the earth, so um, I hope that's helpful for the I Ching. that's that's how I use it. There, there are multiple changing lines that tell you more information as you go along the first hexagram I think says the kind of the current state of things, the second hexagram, maybe the direction that those changes are heading into. It doesn't always mean that that's what's going to manifest sometimes the I ching is a warning that if you don't do a certain set of uh criteria that that's what it will it will move towards but i got a hexagram 11 with no changing lines which just tells me that uh it's a it's a more stable um condition so i hope that was helpful rachel uh I have a number of translations, though, in this app. What I love about this app, the I Ching app on on iPhone, Y-I-J-I-N-G, is that it has a library where you can buy multiple books. Like, I have a digital version of Jack Balkin's book in my pocket. So every time I cast an I Ching, I read, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I have about ten different translations that I've purchased on this app. And I will go and I will compare them so that I can see that I might get an, an additional insight from one author's translation versus another. So again, when we integrate the divination and when we compare, we can sort of start to glean the essence uh, rather than just get the, it helps to remove the subjective lens of one individual author. And that's why we study different divination systems. That's why we study different systems of astrology over different periods of time because we're trying as hard as we can to get to that objective position, which is also an Aquarian ideal. Okay, let's see, I'm looking at the chat. So hopefully that was a, a good little I, I Ching answer for you. Um, Kate says, on those hard nights when the sky is clear, I'll look for the stars that shine brightly through the night and say little prayers asking for guidance. I think that's a great meditation, Kate. I think that having a visceral experience with these planets and with the stars and just connecting with the, the animate everything that, that, like Sophia Strand talks about in The Flowering Wand, is really important. Uh, I think there is a force that animates every, everything and, and connects us in life and just being able to see that with our own eyes and to get some, some pure air into our lungs and some, some sunlight or starlight into our eyes is always a healthy choice. Okay. So Rachel is recommending naps, which I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, Kate is speaking of the the Aquarian um, proclivity to maybe die for their perspectives or moral code or value. Now I hope that, that you don't necessarily have to do that uh, in person I'm, what's the word i'm looking for what's the opposite of literally <laughs> like geez come on boy see it's time for it's time for some some blood sugar but yes i think sticking to your ideals is important although i do think it is important to question those ideals from time to time not all the time but i think enough we have to continually reexamine if the the answer that we came up with in the past is still the right answer. And this is a really important exercise. What was once the right answer can eventually become the wrong one. And I think we're seeing this in the way we organize our society right now. Before, there might have been some of those solutions of the way that we structure our society that were the right answer at the time. And we we didn't really know about the the challenges around them. Sometimes we did and did it anyway. And that's when it's, that's that's the real definition of evil, I think, is when we Know th- something is harmful to others, and we kind of just do it anyway. Um, but sometimes we did things do, due to our naivete and our lack of clarity, and doing the best we could with the information we had at the time. But holding on to those old stories and ideals, even when they're proven to be false, and and to and there's proven to be a much better, less harmful way to do things. Um, it, it's very important that we we are able to examine those things regularly, you know. And, and it's hard to change all the time, but you can do that gracefully, I think, if you let go of the the ego involvement with it. Dee says, "So we won't see you against Logan Paul?" Then, <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know how I don't know how big Logan Paul is, but I'm about five foot ten or eleven, and about 155 pounds soaking wet. So. You're not gonna see me in a, a ring <laughs> fighting someone. <laughs> Again, my my observations got me in trouble when I was younger, but I had the skill of being very fast. So I was uh if I shot my mouth off when I was younger, I would just run away. <laughs> yeah. And if I if I couldn't the one fight I one real fight I got into on the like the playground or whatever in this was in high school, I was a hockey player so i used this kid was like twice my size he was huge and i he was a real idiot and i i told him as much uh because he was spouting off about something dumb and i couldn't bite my tongue at that time and i took the a hockey move where i pulled his shirt over his head pushed him to the ground and then ran away (laughs) that was it and he was like hunting me for like weeks after that so just be careful if you pull that move like you know, if you have some big loot that doesn't, you know, forget very easily. Um, but eventually we became friends. Um, let's see. I'm looking for questions here. Rez Hooves is here. a new person from uh this is Joy. Welcome, Joy, from wounded knee. Okay, welcome, friend. Rez Hooves. Okay, very cool, very cool. Um Hopefully, the things we're talking about are resonating here today, and you know we're really talking about trying to be connected with the earth and, and communal responsibility. Kate says, "I'm the ninth like just got digital the di- digital record for either the ether gods shall I ever be judged." Okay. I <laughs> will have to think about that one for a second. Um, all right. Rachel says, regarding Pluto in the seventh, it's very challenging to start, although you will already have an awareness as it begins. I did not. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I think that there's always going to be challenges in life, and we have to just try to adjust to them with grace. Rachel says, it is incredibly rich by the end and a transformative experience, and yes, it's work, but well worth investing in. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. Laura says, I can relate to Uranus in the 10th house power. I heard about acupuncture and and TCM when Uranus was in my ninth house. And when it went into my 10th, I suddenly switched from an acting career to studying Chinese medicine. Yeah. I mean, I think Uranus is also, hearing that story and thinking about my own story, you know, we were both in creative careers that were centered around self-expression. Uranus being a planet of the collective, when Uranus is going through our 10th, we switch to careers that might be a little bit more about um, serving the collective. Not that people who are artists or actors or musicians can't do that. But I'm sure that that's a a pull that you were feeling. That's a pull that I felt that I was like, you know, I want to do something that is a little bit more collective. That's not just all about me. And I think that that was a big shift when Uranus was moving through my ninth and 10th house, respectively. Rachel says it's a very actually a very good habit used wisely if our Virgo placements understood how we can more how we can more effective intellectually be more effective intellectually and physically when rested. oh yes, sleep is good. This is something we've been working on in our household is that the quality of the sleep in our house wasn't the greatest that it could be, and it was we were trying to make some big changes in our productivity, and I think that by by focusing first on getting the sleep part right. That's opened us up to be able to be more effective in the long term in our other projects. So I think sleep is fundamental. You got to move up those those hierarchy of needs. And if you're not sleeping, it makes it really difficult to sustain concentration in other projects in your life. So um, we've been using some of those nose strips to open up your breathing passages. So I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but they seem to be working. Uh D says, if we're on about Saturn, mine is in Gemini in the 12th. Okay. Yeah. So Saturn is in its joy in the 12th house, which that sounds like it could be a good thing, but I'm not exactly sure if it's good or bad. when we think of a malefic that is joying, they might be taking joy at doing difficult things in your life. (laughs) So uh, I would take the, the joy part of that with a grain of salt. I think that... What I've heard it described in various fashions is like being under siege uh, from, a, from an attacking army, but being very well resourced and very well stocked. So if you have Saturn in the 12th house, especially in a day chart, I guess, um, if it's a night chart, it's a little bit more problematic. Um, but again, I tend to think of planets in the 12th house, my, my positive interpretation of them is being able to, and I'm gonna stretch as I say this, it's time for a stretch break again. My interpretation of planets in the 12th is yes that they can contribute to self undoing and self sabotage and you know things that have been repressed and things like that. Um, I also like to think of it, though, as the House of Saturn and the House of Nemesis and Nemesis was a deity that restored right proportion and balance so sometimes I think like some of the contractions that we feel. And it's also a, a house of childbirth. It was called a uh, child bed, like labor was associated with that in traditional astrology. So I think that some of the literal contractions that we feel with seventh house planets can sometimes uh, bring us back into balance and harmony and release some of the things of excess, but also increase some of the things we're lacking. I think that's just kind of a secret signification of that. Um, I have experience with this I have the sun and mercury in the 12th house so sometimes in the past i've dealt with either having excessive solar energy where my ego got a little out of control and I was like feeling a little puffed up and i've also gone through some times where my self esteem was very low and where I didn't feel very good about myself and and didn't value myself and. I think that through my experiences with a son in the 12th house, it has both helped me increase my, my self-worth and value myself, but also reduce any excesses around it. Humility, you know, the middle path. Um, and the same can be said for Mercury. Sometimes if you have Mercury in the 12th house, you might think a little bit too much. Sometimes you might think not enough before you speak. When I was a young person, I I my dad would always preach to me, think before you speak, because I would just be popping off because I would just... I was a handful as a young person. I was somebody who had a lot of intuitions and insights. And I would just say the first thing that came into my mind when I was little, you know, I was very verbal. Yeah, it <laughs> doesn't change that much. Now, you know, I can sit here and talk for three hours this is why we're stretching. Um, but imagine like a little kid who was a little bit, maybe a little wise beyond his years, observing the adults in his life being like, you, you do this, you do this, dad, because you feel this way, blah, 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 like, <laughs> just popping off. And I don't think the adults always appreciate that. The same goes for my teachers, because I wasn't, wasn't really a fall in line type of kid. I mean, I'm a professional astrologer. I was, I, I was a professional musician. I, I don't necessarily follow the crowd. I kind of do my own thing. And as a Leo ascendant, I don't particularly enjoy being told what to do news flash (laughs) so that being said as a 12th house mercury i have learned that sometimes it's important for me to think before i speak and consider the ramifications of my words and whether they will hurt somebody or uplift them i also have learned that sometimes i need to to not think as much sometimes i need to not Analyze and chew every single detail to death and let go of some of my thoughts and and just take an action every once in a while, so I think with the Saturn and Gemini there. You know you, you may be feeling a similar type of thing where you're you're bound to increase something and decrease something else, I think Saturn and Gemini there's a little bit of a fear of making a choice there's all sorts of like different patterns and options that you could choose and. Gemini, the, the, the real crux of Gemini is finally saying, you know what, it's important for you to explore your options, but it's also important for you to say, I don't have to do everything at once. Uh, it doesn't mean I can't circle back to it, but I need, sometimes I need to like focus on the thing that's most important to me now and think about it as choosing what is important to you and bringing that to life rather than the FOMO, the fear of missing out, which I think is a very Gemini type of thing. I've experienced that too. I have Venus and Gemini. Um Rachel says, let's see. Okay, more napping. Uh oh, has my chat been spanned? We don't have our we don't have our moderator here today. I'm gonna put that user in timeout. Okay. Sorry friends, I'm doing my own moderating today. Okay, I hope that was the only one. Yep, we got rid of it. So I'm going back in the chat and looking for more comments and questions. This has been an awesome chat, friends. Jeez, so many comments is awesome. I love talking with all of you and doing this. This is a really, it's always exciting to kind of see all the, the thoughts of the collective and answer questions. It's a nice service uh, that, that we're providing, I think here um, for each other, right? Do me a favor, friends, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. If you wanna make a donation to the work I'm doing, uh, you can buy me a super chat or a super sticker and you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. Best thing you can do is either sign up for a reading or sign up for a class. I always loves meeting you in person. Um, Again, we have that new uh, class starting on Monday, guided group study. Uh, We're going to be doing um, the rulers of the nativity, which is really exciting. This is kind of like, you know, the planets that are supporting us on our lifelong journey and sort of like helping us find our sense of purpose and meaning. I was seeing some other work about the Sun-Pluto conjunction this week and sort of a, a treatment of that where people were having struggle, struggling finding meaning. And, um, I can, I can understand that perspective. Uh, there is a a sort of an annihilation quality to Pluto, like the annihilation of consciousness, the annihilation of the ego itself, like an ego death. Um, but I think having hope and trying to make meaning is important. Even if there's not some like grand design or grand purpose, I think we each make our own meaning. And I think that that is really important to to stay focused on, like you can make meaning in your life in a lot of different ways. Okay, I think I went too far back in the chat, trying to figure out where I was at here. I was getting rid of the the spammers. Um, Keep these comments coming, friends. This is so good. And there's so much good discussion here. I'm sorry for for the pauses here. But I'm just looking. I'm just combing through it. Rishi is here. Hello, Rishi. Nice, nice to see you. That's a new name. Uh what does 2023 have for Aquarians? <laughs> well, friend. Uh Pluto's coming for you. So and I mean that in the best possible way. I think that if you're an Aquarian rising or if you're an Aquarian sun, you're going to have Pluto kind of dissolving your belief systems and reforming them into the, a beautiful butterfly. I love, I love Ann Ortley's uh, way of thinking of Pluto where it just dissolves every fiber of our being into the soup and then it's being reformed into something different. So I think that Aquarian people in particular are going to be experiencing that. The other thing I'll say for the Aquarius folks is that Saturn is going to be moving off of your sun and out of your first house if you're an Aquarius rising. And um, that probably will feel like a little bit of a relief, although it's a little bit of a handoff from Saturn to Pluto. So there's going to be more collective issues rather than personal ones, although I would still consider Saturn a collective planet the most collective in traditional astrology um so but there might it might be a little less of a weight and more of a um butterfly-like transformative energy and you're also going to see your sun you know pluto or sorry uranus is going to be continuing to square aquarian suns over the course of 2023 um we're going to have a jupiter square If you wanna get into depth with your own natal chart, I have a new reading called the Kairos reading, which Kairos means uh, the opportune time. And I go through a three month period because I'm very detailed and I found that I just cannot get more than three months in in a session that is not crazy, crazy, crazy long. And I like three months as an actionable period. I will look a little bit further ahead than that, but I'm gonna focus on what's actionable for the next three months. And I'll pull, a, I'll pull a tarot card for each month. I will look at your perfected Time Lord. I will look at your transits in relationship to that Time Lord. Um, we will look at your solar return chart and a little bit with zodiacal releasing. It's just all the techniques I have that can give you the quality of time. And then we just kind of talk about what's, what's, what's working in your life and what isn't and, and create a plan. I, I really like helping people create uh, actionable habits to, to, their, to their challenges and issues. And taking it one day at a time, I have a lot of people I work with that are, I'll meet with them bi weekly or something like that and we'll check in and see, and we created a plan, an action plan, and then we'll kind of see what worked and what didn't, that, those are always my favorite type of things, because we get to kind of like see in real time, the the results of our actions. Okay. So Rachel says another naive question Spencer there's no naive questions all these questions are great like we're all on different pathways we all come to information at different times in our life, you don't have to have a pre qualifier with that says, can we get too rigid with regard to timing things in line with astrology. Yes. Um, I think that. We do need to leave some space for the mystery. I think that the rigidity comes when we tense up when we see something that we don't like, right? When we when we see something difficult coming up and we're like bracing for impact, I think that's the rigidity factor of astrology. I think that we release that rigidity by relaxing into the transit, right? It doesn't mean we can't be aware that something is happening, but there's always something happening. There's always gonna be changes. There's always gonna be new challenges. There's always gonna be corruption in the world. I'm sorry. There's always gonna be beautiful things to find. There's always gonna be needs. There's always gonna be solutions. There's always gonna be, unfortunately it's probably always gonna be haves and there's always gonna be have-nots and there's always gonna be those conflicts. I hope that we can start treating each other with more respect, like maybe the the Star Trek ideal future. Um. You know, just to just to really be able to survive. We really are going to need to rely on each other to survive. But yes, I think that if you're constantly looking at every single little thing and get and chewing on it, that can lead to like a nervous breakdown. I mean, and I'm bad about this. I write every single aspect in the the margin of my journal. And I do it more so as a reference for being able to look back on the experience that I've had. I find it a valuable reference for when uh, I'm like, what was going on during the the my moon Saturn square this day when it was exact? And I know, and I can look back in my journal and find it in the margin and I can see what my mindset was on that day. And that information is really valuable. So I think that it can be more of just a, like sort of a mm, an archival type of thing as well. Okay. Let's see, let's see. Rachel says I've been impatient to set things in motion during this waning moon cycle but managed to hold off feeling energies will be better after the new moon. I mean, this is another thing about lunar cycles, Rachel, is that you you can prepare for the to press the go button during these these waning cycles and on, honestly, sometimes you just have to do stuff. Like the, this is the truth that you you learn too is that if you're constantly waiting for the perfect moment, um, you'll miss some opportunities. And and yes, you will make some mistakes, but then you'll learn from that and then you'll make, be able to make adjustments as you go along. So oftentimes, like like for example, I have to take the trash out every Monday. If I wait till the moon is waxing or waning to take the trash out, I'm gonna have a lot of stinky trash in my house. So there, there are just basic things in your life that you have to do that that don't need to be astrologically timed. Um, but if you're thinking of a bigger thing, like oh, when should I move houses, or when should I, I don't know, st- launch my new business, like then those those questions really can can be helpful. But the day to day nitty gritty type of stuff, you can drive yourself crazy doing doing too much of that. Um, but I will say, I, I waited to launch my class until the the Mars and Mercury retrogrades were over. So that's an example of like. I hoped that it would have more success after the retrogrades were happening we'll see sign up it'll be great to have you in class Rachel. Um, Kate says natal mercury 28 degrees Capricorn 20 to 21 2020 to 2021 multiple oral surgeries complications emergency surgeries. Uh, but it was infected oh well it sounds like you had some really challenging mercury Pluto uh kind of conjunctions happening and i guess saturn was going over your mercury as well kate so um it's challenging stuff but but you're still here you know you're still with us and i'm glad for that uh let's see kate asks what constitutes sentient life <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that's a big question kate is that a question <laughs> like- I think what we're going to get I think we're going to get the answer to that over the Pluto and Aquarius cycle. I think we might be surprised what what we consider sentient life at the end of it. I do think that we um we probably will see sentient AI stuff happening. I think that from all the things I've I'm not an expert at this, okay. But from all the information I've I've researched, which is honestly very little. Um we're at like a bell, like this curve point with AI, and we're down here, and in the next few years, it's about to go like this, like shoot sharply up the mountain, um, because it 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 like learns very quickly and it's teaching itself to do stuff, and I think that we're gonna be really surprised at what it can do, um, very very quickly, and I think we need to start being prepared for that. We need to start being prepared for what it does mean, if we have a sentient um AI technology, and like I said. Science fiction has been preparing us for this for a long time. So go read your, you know, your Blade Runners, you know, (laughs) whatever uh, other sentient AI technology books are Uh, Ursula Le Le Guin or something like that, (laughs) like, um, I'm not as up or your Isaac Asimov or whatever. Sure that well, there's, there's all sorts of movies too. there's movies that are out there that will teach us about this. But, but again, those are one person's vision and a lot of it is is subjective so if you're looking at the dystopian versions of things like watching mad max or something and the destruction of earth give yourself equal time with the 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 best possible outcomes like like i think like star trek for example is maybe what the best possible outcomes for humanity might be so you have to give yourself equal time with that i think that's really important You, you owe yourself that right yeah, Flavia says, the petty depart, the great arrive. That's that's definitely a good a good way of uh, some wisdom from the I Ching. Rachel says, that was a wonderful hexagram. I particularly love the idea of prosperity and good times being nourished by the good people. Unlike, very unlike our tendency to plunder and greedily exhaust resources. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have to get r- responsible with resources. Um, I fixed the spam. Kate says, "I believe cycles are cyclical. All of the flood lore from many cultures—I can't fathom. It is only metaphorical." Well, we are literally having floods in areas of the world right now, so it, there are some 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 physical things that are coming out of it. Um, Rachel says, "I was interested in whether you used it electronically. I think she's referring to the I, the I Ching. I am that un." That unusual but not unique Luddite Aquarian who would probably cling to the books. I may, however, be persuaded to try the app. You know what? I have no problem if that's what helps you feel in alignment with the the divination. I mean, I like my physical tarot cards, but I also have a tarot card app. I just think it's easy to carry it around with me everywhere in my pocket. Uh, What I do like about the app is that it allows me to to look at instantaneously look at ten different interpretations for the same. Uh, hexagram that I've cast. So like I could read you 10 different versions just from that one hexagram that we cast. So that to me is just an efficiency issue. but you know you got to do it works for you. Okay. All right, I'm glad that folks are enjoying this. I, I, I love showing up every once in a while for you and and just having it be more free form rather than having just any kind of uh, uh, agenda, Full disclosure: the hexagram I got for the day was was number two, which is Kun, which is the receptive. It's all open lines. So today I'm being receptive to whatever wants to come through today. So I think this is a perfect example of that hexagram. Um, okay, 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 okay. I've got. I see more questions. I'm trying to look for the questions here. Jupiter in the 12th. Insight? Question mark. KP says, well, it depends on what sign KP, but I think that I've read some literature. I believe there was some literature from Morinus and the Hermetica which talks about certain challenges of the planets. N- not even specifically in the 12th house. Um, although we can infer things. The 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 Hermetica talks about what we will take on from a planet and what we will need to release. And I think that the 12th house has some of that energy with it. So you may think of an out of balance Jupiter as being something where your belief systems need to be balanced. You may have an excessive optimism. You might have not enough optimism. You might have an excessive attachment to being Right, <laughs> like depending on the sign potentially, uh, or you might feel like you, you you don't trust your own intuition. You don't trust your own ability to ha- to have a unique philosophy. There may be you may be flitting around from one belief to the next all the time. So, I think that Jupiter brings order. Jupiter brings a unified outlook on life, and I think that sometimes we can be a little bit puffed up with the arrogance of Jupiter in the twelfth, or we can feel a little bit of a a lack of faith uh, or a lack of certainty. Uh, again, I, using my technique or my philosophical idea, eventually life through suffering, honestly, I'm sorry to say, through suffering, is going to bring that planetary energy back into balance. Because think about it the planet in the 12th house is eventually, through secondary motion, being moved into the first house of personal power. So it's almost like that planet is it's, it's pregnant, you know, it's like in the belly and it's getting purified on some level before it, it's useful to you. Right. So I think if we think about it, like we're allowing the challenging things in life to, to bring us back into harmony and back into balance, exactly like the hexagram said, like Pluto is going to bring us some tough shit in Aquarius. But it's going to bring us back into harmony. Do you see what I'm saying? Back into harmony with nature. We've we've gotten so far away from harmony with nature right now that this is what these this is the new narrative that we need to get back to is is being in is cooperating with nature rather than trying to dominate it. I hope that was helpful for you. KP one two three one. Um, Don says Saturn brings me great joy when I utilize it. When my anxiety gets out of control, I do my Saturn and Taurus in the sixth. I either garden or go do my daily work, instant relief. Yeah, like the planets are telling you what they they would require for balance. Saturn is binding you to working with the Earth and finding inner peace, right, with Taurus. Uh, let's say we had Saturn in Gemini, like we said for, for D earlier, it's bound to... To explore, but also bound to make a choice. Sometimes he may have too many choices. Sometimes he may, you know, not want to make any choice at all. Uh, so th- there, there's always a uh, an action that the planet is asking for. Jupiter, on the other hand, might be the uh, actions that bring us honor and merit, whereas Saturn might be the ones that we need to 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 limit or commit to or be bound to. Um, all of these things can be excessive. Like doing too much Jupiterian stuff can be excessive. Like too much warmth and moisture in a garden creates mold. So you know, and, and Jupiter is associated with that that warm, warm and moist condition, uh where Saturn is too cold and dry. Uh so let's see. Creating harmony is here. Hello, Khadija. Consideration and over-consideration of communication is so 12th house Mercury speaking from experience. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes I I go way back and forth about how my words are going to affect somebody that I just like obsess about it over days. And then sometimes I'll just write something that's very normal to somebody and it wasn't a big deal. I'm like, why did I spend so much mental energy on that, you know? Uh, Beth says, okay, I just clued in to this new moon will be interesting for uh, Mercury at zero and two degrees. Oh. I'm trying to read these some of these comments. Some of you are typing very quickly <laughs> like, or in code. I just switched days and hopefully, hope any more career changes are just as good. Okay, so you, you are experiencing good change with the new moon. That's good. Um, Steven says he's got progressed Aquarius rising to our Sun and Sag Moon. Okay. Uh, Khadija says, do you think the Uranus station will influence this Aquarius new moon? I think that we will feel the Uranus station. Um, does it affect the moon itself? I mean, I would, I guess I would frame it slightly differently. I think it's a part of the new moon experience. I think that two things are happening at that new moon. Of course, the sun and the moon are coming together in Aquarius, but then Venus and Saturn will be coming together shortly afterwards, facilitating potentially a harmonious parting from a situation or belief system in our life. And then Uranus turning direct can can, in the, the Taurus area of our life, it will help us to incorporate some of the changes that we've been trying to make, maybe through just shifting our perspective and shifting our belief. Okay, I am going to take another stretch and i think we'll go go maybe 15 20 more minutes see if i can get through more of the questions here um we're at the two hour mark i'm gonna take this to remind you that uh please like and subscribe to our channel please sign up for our guided group study uh if you need a payment plan i can work something out with you if if things have been tight at the end of the holiday season um Sign up for my Nightlight Winter Speaker Series, February 12th. I'll be talking about the tarot and astrology and how to utilize them together. Uh there's new readings for 2023. There's a new Astrology of Sports podcast that I, that was just posted today, episode four, on Adam Ellenboss's Nightlight Astrology channel. And if you'd like to make a material donation to the work that I do, you can buy a super chat or a super sticker in the chat. Or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com after the fact. Okay. Get a little drink of water, get a little bit of uh sustenance. I know I go long on these things, but actually just enjoy doing it, and I I enjoy talking with all of you. I'm a little bit of a hermit, so to me, some of this is, is a social time, so it's all good. But I hope that I'm putting something good out into the world and answering your questions. Dawn Fisher is here. Dawn says, learning is always good, always, and you never know when you'll hear something new in a new way that shifts your perspective. All questions are good. Yes, I agree, Dawn uh steven says i love all those predictive tools and techniques i'm learning about zodiacal releasing now Yeah, zodiacal releasing is really interesting it's 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 one of the more i think slightly complicated things to learn although i really pay attention to the level one and level two releasings from spirit in particular um those are the ones that i really look at big picture i don't really get too bent out of shape about the the level three and four stuff because it's it's just it's a much shorter period of time, but I do I do I did feel the shift when my level one time lord from spirit shifted from Jupiter to Saturn and that happened around 2014, and I really started to commit to astrology around that period of time and I really had less of a desire to travel and I, I became much more of a hermit and a homebody around that period of time and it's very Saturnian but I'm learning to to love Saturn. I'm learning to embrace it. Okay. Katie says, geez, we're skipping around here. Sometimes when people make new comments, I know I'm behind in the chat, so I apologize for that friends, but I'm trying to get to as many as I can here. Sometimes when a new comment comes, it'll skip all the way to the bottom and then I have to scroll up to the top. Uh, De- Katie says Devin's texting me. He wants to ask a question. He wants to know how you think we can use the sun's upcoming aspects to Jupiter and Mars. Well, the sun is going to be tr- uh, sextiling Jupiter and trining Mars. Let's just see what we're. Let's just share the chart for a second here. So this, when is this going to happen? So there's our new moon on Sunday the, or yeah, Saturday the 21st. And then the sun will sextile Jupiter a few days after 24th, and then make a trine with Mars. I mean, I think that the, well, let's look at the elements involved. We've got an air, new moon, Aquarius, right? The, so our ideals, our, our thoughts, our um, beliefs will be starting to add fuel to our Jupiterian fire that wants to make a new start. I think things have been kind of held back for a little bit over the course of the new new year because of Mars and Mercury's retrograde cycles. And I think that when the, the sun and the new moon hits the, the sextile Jupiter we're finally kind of be like it's time to go it's time to move on it's time to make this new start everyone's been feeling this like i want to make a new start in some area of their life especially with jupiter and aries i know i've been feeling that in, in my um ninth house like i've been learning a lot of new stuff another app that i recommend is called blinkist and it's basically a app where you can get like 15 to 30 minute summaries of of popular books on all sorts of topics health philosophy politics, uh, productivity, habit forming. And I find that I don't have hours and hours and hours to sit down and listen to an audiobook that's like not astrology. Um, but I can get the gist of something within 15 to 30 minutes on my walk. And it's been helping me with my like, you know, habit forming and like health. And uh, I listened to a, a summary of the people's history of the United States the other day, which was a little bit it was a little depressing and not things that I didn't already understand but it was it was just an, another kind of like wow we we are living in a space in a country that has a lot of work to do and a lot of changes to make uh to to be fair and to be equitable for the most amount of people um so I hope that helps as far as the trine with Mars you know when you have a sun Mars trine the the awareness the clarity that you have could uh, allow you to take actions. I think Mars and Gemini is going to ask us to just make a choice, like eliminate. That's what Mars wants to do. Sever, separate, eliminate some of the imagined pathways, the idealized grass is greener on the other side pathways, because Gemini is a planet or the sign that wants to expand options and opportunities. And Mars says, you can't, you can't do all of them. So your awareness of the sun in in, uh, Aquarius in a Saturn rule sign says, these are your limitations. So now that you know your limitations, here's how you can take action to eliminate some of your distractions and actually infuse energy into uh, that which is most important to you. So I hope that helps Katie and Devin, good supporters of the show here, good, good folks out in Portland, fighting the good fight, doing some good charcuterie boards and butcher butchering (laughs) devin's an excellent chef and uh katie what do you do again katie i can't remember but doing some really interesting work out there with devin i'm sorry katie i know it's something creative and awesome it's just slipping my mind at the moment it's hour two okay let me get back to the slightly current questions what is seek seek is here seek Raj hello Raj what is the latest, we can sign into your class um I would prefer people sign up by Sunday. Um, you can sign up Monday morning, if you feel like it, um, but it would give me a good idea of who is in the class and who isn't if you sign up by Monday. Um, again, if you're having trouble and you want to set up sort of a payment thing, I'm open to that if you, you just need to reach out and set something up with me. Um, but yeah, we're going to be starting Monday. Uh, you can come in after the fact if you really want to, but it's nice to start with the the group and be able to go through all of the stuff together. The first class is going to be really interesting too, because I think that I'm going to do a, a pretty big summary of what Demetra has done in the in the book thus far. So if you did miss out on the last semester, it would be really good to, to stop in in the first one. Um, Carolina is here, Carolina Zerpa says during the three years of my Saturn transiting my seventh, where I also have my moon, I have been experiencing deep changes ended in 11 year relationship and I wonder what will come next now that Pluto is coming. Oh, so this was Saturn in the seventh with Saturn and Aquarius well. I think that you will you might have to change the way that you view relationships after that relationship has ended. There's probably a lot of lessons that you learned with that. And I think that again, Pluto, if we look at it from Anne Ortley's perspective, it, Pluto can give us that, that dissolving and reformation energy. So that could be something that you might experience as well. Uh, Portia is here, hello Portia, nice to see you. Um, happy Aquarius season, one of my favorite Aquarian folks out there. Irania universe. Nice to see you, friend. Um, Raj says, are you in agreement with Stephen Hawking that AI is a bigger danger to human life? Well, I'm not 100% familiar with Stephen Hawking's opinion about AI. What I do know is that Stephen Hawking was Capricorn's son. And he had, while he was a genius, he had some bummer opinions about the future. Um, he was a little bit dour when it came to th- those things. I think that there is potential that it's a threat to human human life. I think it's important for us to to think about, to take things slow. <laughs> like, I think that we're always in a hurry to do things and then we don't actually consider the ramifications of it. I think that as we incorporate new technologies, we need to have safeguards in uh, to 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 protect people. Um, like there's a uh, someone who's working on an app that that helps to identify when chat GPT has been used to write an essay. Like that's another that's like a safeguard for like teachers, for example, because mm-hmm. I don't think that we should farm out our ability to write and to think to to a machine. I think that that's that will have repercussions in the long term. Um, I think that Oh, man, I had another good thought that I just lost. Um, It's it's setting limits, setting boundaries, setting uh, safeguards. Oh, the internet is another one that, that really shifted human life. And we were really excited about the internet when it first came around, and justifiably so. There's been some amazing things. Look at us now. We are connecting via the internet. But we also had things in social media that, like, co-opted people's attention and and created enormous amount of distractions and radicalizations. If we had maybe thought about some of those questions before we just dived into it whole hog, maybe we could have prevented some of the worst outcomes with it. And I think the same thing is true with AI. I think there's going to be some amazing things that we just 10 years from now we're going to be like how did we live without that or like what was what was life even like before that. But I do think we should consider some of the negative challenges around it and try to mitigate those as much as we can i think it's just about having a balanced relationship with it i think that ai is here to stay and i think that we better figure out what the deal is with it and soon before it kind of passes us by if that makes sense um like we need a button (laughs) we need like a uh like you know the red button sorry i just got a I guess got a call. I don't know if you all heard that, but that was that scared me. <laughs> like that was I think that was the message from the collective being like the AI is listening to you and we're going to we're going to call you. You're not going to put a the red button on us, Dave, <laughs> like from 2001. Hello, Dave. I'm not I can't do that, Dave. <laughs> like Oh. Rachel says, thank you for your great answers this evening, Spencer. Really enjoyed all the discussion and your positive Friday vibes. Well, thank you, Rachel, and I hope that you're doing well. All right, I'm going to look through this and then start wrapping it up here, friends. Um, Good to hang. We'll catch the replay. Okay, good. Everyone else is kind of starting to maybe fade a little bit. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Jupiter is in exact opposition with Saturn in the sixth. Oh. That'll be fun. Okay. Lynn says my level four zodiacal releasing seems to me for me something like the moon changing signs in regards to what i'm interested in working on lots of interest yes. Well, just for example, my level four uh, changed from Capricorn to Aquarius today uh, before I started to do this, so I I moved from a sixth house like grinding away at my life kind of thing to like. You know, speaking with the public, so this is, I, I agree, I think that's a great way to think about it, um, you don't have to make huge major life decisions around it, but it can can give you just the vibe of your daily day to day habits. Uh, Raj says i'm really excited to hear you say you're doing a tarot and astrology course can you give more details, please so that's going to be so first of all, I have a course on the deccans, which is really very tarot centric. Um, and mythology-centric that you can purchase on my website. Um, that is the decans of, of each individual sign. But I'm doing a free talk for Nightlight Astrology's Winter Speaker Series on February the 12th, 12 noon. Um, and you can find that in the description of this video or wherever this is posted or wherever you're listening to it. So February 12th, you can sign up at the Nightlight Astrology website. Uh, that will I will talk a lot about how to connect astrology and the tarot in that talk. No, no, don't be sorry about questions, Raj. That's what this is for. It's a Q and A. Uh, Beth is asking, "What are longevity noodles?" Yes, uh, there was a comment about Rachel has making longevity noodles. I, I'm curious myself. What are longevity noodles? Uh, so yes, uh, s- someone is asking if I'm recording class on Monday. I will record. If you sign up for the class, you will have uh, access to the recordings in the Discord server. Um, so that you don't necessarily have to be there live to be able to see the, the discussion that we have. And I will be available to come on and answer questions in the time between classes. We have class every two weeks and then people ask me questions in the Discord server and I try to come up with the best answers that I have. And, and then other people will, will chime in as well. So, um, yeah, I really hope people will sign up for the class. Uh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Katie makes magical herbal soaps. <laughs> That's right. I knew it was something cool. Um, so, yes, uh, a lot of good um, DIY, good stuff coming out of uh, Portland over there. All right. Okay. So, friends, it seems like I've gotten to the end of the chat here. If you have any last minute questions and you want to put them in the chat, I'll stick around for a minute here. But as I'm looking for any final comments, questions, please do me a huge favor. Please like this video, uh, share it with your friends. Um, Subscribe to the channel if you're new, I'm super happy that you are here, welcome, we try to create a, a sacred safe space for everyone to be able to express themselves and to ask good questions and um, you know t- to share your comments too, I like having this be kind of a community forum on some level. Uh, if you want to make a material donation you can do a super chat or a super sticker or you can buy me a coffee at buymecoffee.com, it does help me keep the lights on, it helps me buy new books, I've been buying all sorts of new books lately. It really, really helps with my research. So I I really appreciate all of you that contribute to that. The one that I just bought the other day was um, Apollodorus, the Library of Greek Mythology. And this has kind of got source texts that... um, Some of these you can find at theoi.com, but now I have it in book form. So I'm really excited about that. I saw that this was something that I found in the... um, in the bibliography of the Flowering Wand, so I was like, I need that book. That's a great way to find good books: is when you have an author that you really like, look in the, the back in the bibliography and and find their sources and go back to their sources. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, sign up for class. We got class starting on Monday, the twenty third, one p.m. Eastern time. It would be great, great, great to see all of you. We're going to be working on Demetra George's book. Uh, Again, you don't have had to have taken the last class to get some benefit out of it. Um, sometimes it's just good to show up and talk astrology and it's like a language. We'll be, sometimes we'll be speaking with some fluency that, that you may have a little bit of trouble with, but I will always slow down and, and describe things. And, and you, can always, you, you can only get better speaking a language by getting together with other people and speaking it. And I think that that's the real benefit of coming to a class like that is getting together, talking astrology, having an experienced guide such as myself, help you with some of the nitty gritty details. Every single chapter that we do in this book, I take five to six pages of notes. So I'm going in and I'm, I'm really trying to learn it um, in depth. Um, and sometimes, you know, that can help just trigger a light bulb moment for, for you. So that I think is what I have for you today. This has been super fun. Thank you so much for supporting the channel here. I'll be back next week with the astrology of February. Uh, I haven't scheduled the date yet, but it'll probably be Thursday or Friday. So keep your eyes peeled for that. We'll do another live or we'll discuss that, that astrology that's coming up. And um, yeah, that's what I've got for you. Remember, remember, remember. It's important through all these changes, through all the Pluto movements and all of the Saturn movements and the 12th house and all of this. Things work so much better if you can find it in your heart to be kind to yourself and in turn, that will allow you to be kind to others. So that is what I've got. Take care, my friends. I appreciate all of you and I'll see you the next time. Peace.